Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and once again, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and our guest for this episode? Well, hello, Grant. Um, I'm really thrilled today because I have in our studio one of the industry's greats, really, is all I can say to sum him up. He's also a good friend of mine, um, and I count on him as a, a colleague and, as I said, yes, an esteemed friend. And this is Professor Pierre Pinar. He is the president of the World Packaging Organization, now in his second term as president. And the reason I've got him on the show this week, Grant, is because... Pierre has once again been recognized for all the work that he's done across his career. A large part of that work has been in the field of packaging education. And um, with the week that this podcast goes live, Pierre will be being recognized by the PMMI, which is the Packaging and Processing Association in America. He'll be at Pack Expo, and he will be being brought into the Packaging and Processing Hall of Fame. So without further ado, let me welcome you, Pierre, while I'm rattling off all of that. Welcome to the PKN Podcast once again. Thank you, Lindy. Nice to be with you again. Appreciate that. Well, now the PMMI's recognition, that comes um, after, as, as I mentioned, a long string of accolades that you've received in your life and your career, um, entering the Hall of Fame with other greats in our industry into that Hall of Fame. How do you feel about that? Taken aback, um, and, and and that's not a cliche in any way because it didn't actually come out of the blue. Uh, obviously, I've known about the Hall of Fame um, and, and never really thought much more of it. Uh, I never I never visualised, uh, and I can open and honestly say that, that I never thought I would be included in it. Uh, so it was a surprise when the initial email came through one early one morning. And the other part of this was um, you, you think one thinks of all the others uh, in, in the industry, in our industry, in packaging industry worldwide, uh, that you think should be there before me. Um, and that's all across my mind. But on the other hand, yes, it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a feel-good feeling. And certainly um, it's nice to be recognised by your peers internationally. And um, I think most of all, because this question has been asked um, of me before, or since this award was announced, um, and I really see it as another opportunity of uh, speaking to the industry and some others outside of our industry in making them more aware of what's really important. And um, you've heard this before from me, Lindy, and that is that we we only have one planet Earth, and it's as simple as that. And so we've got to leave this planet better than what we found it, and we have the the knowledge and the uh, expertise and the opportunity of doing just that and having this um, opportunity of speaking more broadly across across the globe uh, outside of my role as, as WPO president, I now have that 
an, an increased uh, opportunity of awareness. Well, I certainly hope that um, that platform that you have now, ex extended platform that you now have, um, will grant you that opportunity, Pierre. But let's turn to your role now as WPO president. You are now in your second term. Congratulations on being re-elected. I'm curious to know what the key lessons are from your first term that, will, that are informing your direction as you embark on your second term. When I took over in Rio in end of 2017 in Brazil, uh, I announced to the industry globally that uh, I was going to focus on the reduction in, in, in packaging, in other words, you know, the waste factor of packaging, and then also the waste factor of food, and uh, increase the global awareness of uh, certainly the WPO, but of packaging ostensibly. That is my focus. And we did that. Well, I think we did it reasonably successfully. Did we do it to the to the best possible? No. I mean, there's always room for improvement. But certainly, uh, I stretched the team, uh, and uh, on a number of occasions, I was um, I was asked to uh, reduce the, the the pressure being put on on others uh, in 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 getting this message across to I think countries that were not as aware of it maybe as, say, uh, Australians were. But in those three years that we really pushed hard in those three particular areas, uh, it certainly helped in, and obviously you don't know you're going to get a second term until the day of the of the election, but as soon as that, that vote was through and and I was going to be given a second, a second opportunity of, uh, of refocusing, I took those same three. And, and saw uh, or had a look at what did we do well and what should we be doing better? And what was the overriding factor on certainly not the increased global awareness of, of packaging uh, and, and on the WPO, but certainly of the, of the reduction in food waste and the reduction of, of packaging waste was what I stand for and which you know me best for, and that is education. Uh, and when I say education, I'm using a very broad context of education. I'm not talking about a formalized sitting in a classroom in a lecture hall being lectured to in, in various elements of packaging. I'm talking more about educating uh, the, the person in the street, um, the, the consumers, because more and more that I've been exposed to that side in this role that I'm in, I'm finding that Many of those who are not directly involved, in other words, they're using packaging, but they're not, that's about all they know about the packaging. Um, it, it's still considered to be uh, an element whereby, you know, can't you guys in packaging do better? I mean, look at the countryside, look at the, the waterways, the, the, the rivers, the, the, the beaches, the sea, these various rubbish patches that are located around the world. And the fingers point towards packaging every time, which is not, it's not fair, but then it's a lack of education for them to be saying what they're saying about it. How do we correct that? And in the second term, um, and I'm now halfway through that second term, that, that's been more our focus. So what I've done here is instead of me trying to spread this, world, uh, this word as much as I can, um, it, the entire executive team has to go out there and we monitor that and they have key performance indicators according to that so that each individual in that team 
and individually in terms of their portfolios uh, are giving the same message right across the world. And then in addition to that, the global ambassadors that are in in fact roaming the world, however COVID has has, um, has been an issue clearly, but we have, we've been a lot on air and so um, the word is still getting out there. And I'm, uh, I have to say that I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at the outcome of that, um, as I'm as I'm hearing more um, from folk and and certainly when I was um, uh, at um, uh, Impact EMA in in May, I, I got that feeling from from a lot of folk uh, um, because I put the direct question to people, and then so it'd be interesting to see what what America's doing when I'm in, there at, at Pack Expo. In, in relation to, again, uh, not us in the industry, but everyone outside the industry. Okay, well, that sounds very uh, thorough and comprehensive. And yes, I have to say, I have witnessed some of those education messages coming through from the various portfolios on WPO. So congratulations on that initiative. I think... Um, Education on any level is essential, but especially for those people who are sitting in the packaging department who need to know more, whether it's in a lesser uh, developed area um, country or even in developed countries, as you know, people are new to roles in brand owners and education plays a huge part of making sure that we're making the right material choices and making the right decisions around sustainable packaging and saving food, of course. Now, last time we spoke, Pierre, plastic waste um, the plastic waste challenge, as you've already alluded to, was one of the most pressing matters on the agenda. Um, it's fair to say I don't think anything has really changed, but what projects and initiatives have you seen rolling out around the globe that do you that you think are making a significant difference? Say, for example, for plastics being collected from waterways uh, and so on. Well, I'm really I'm really thrilled that this question has come up because it's certainly a, a very passionate aspect of of what I do and what I'm what I'm keen to see change. So. Uh, at the end of 2019, I was in um, in Indonesia, in, in Bali, in Indonesia, at one of our um, WPO board meetings, and I had the opportunity on some off days to do some, um, just some, you know, uh, some diving in the sea and, and and looking around, and it was a disaster below the surface of the sea, where many others were swimming as well. And what was below really shocked me. And I came out and um, I, I said to some of my fellow executives, what I've witnessed now, we've got to do something about. At the same time that this was happening, uh, I, I, uh, I had a meeting a month or so prior to that in, in Europe with some of the uh, leaders in packaging um, users, but also converters, some of the multinationals. And one of the one of the guys said to me in that meeting, "What are you guys doing on the ground in terms of getting the message across?" Uh, and I didn't really have a good answer for him. This coupled with what I saw in Bali told me we have to do something. So immediately got hold of our counterparts at the Indonesian, Indonesian Packaging Federation that I wanted to initiate uh, a recycling program. Now, as you know, Indonesia is the fourth largest uh, country by population in the world. So if we could succeed there, then I was sure we could succeed in many other developing countries. And so we embarked on a program and we met for 18 months. 
every Tuesday night between one and two hours. And uh, in that group, it started off only with the Indonesian Packaging Federation, but, but soon there was only one representative from that that we needed on the body. Uh, but we got, um, we've got uh, six of the global leading users of packaging in the world on board. Uh, organization called Praise, P-R-A-I-S-E. So these are the likes of the Unilevers, the Tetra Packs, the Coca-Colas, uh, Nestle, um, Indo Foods, and, and so on. Uh, and they're big players. Why did we do this? Because right at the early stages, we did not have the, the support of, of government. And so we had to make some ulterior, alternative arrangements in, in, in forcing that we're going to push along with this thing. I was, I was committed uh, and I wasn't, it was like a dog with a bone. I wasn't going to let go until I achieved the aim that we wanted to. And there were, there were, there were really downtimes in that period. But there was many, many elated moments as we brought more people on board that made a difference or could make a difference. And then about 12 months into the project, um, we all agreed to create a local organization that would ultimately take over from us, which they uh, then had the acronym IPRO, Indonesian Packaging Recycling Organization. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that they are running with it now completely 100% with the support of the praise members uh, because they underpinning it and they're going to make sure it works as well. So that's been a real success story. And obviously I get constant information on this. So exactly what are they doing? What is that project doing? Well, a number of things. I mean, obviously they, they, they've got to use the white material. So the um, packaging guidelines uh, that we implemented in a very early stage, which was really a copy of the European one. Um, subsequent to that, uh, the WPO has got involved in it. And as you know, we've released guidelines and so on. And this is prior to those guidelines. We wrote the guidelines for Indonesia because they were slightly different. So we had to get the front end correct in making sure they use the right material that can be recycled. Secondly, we've got to have the infrastructure to collect the material. That was a challenge because they, you know, there are a lot of people who are, are living off that material in relation to you know, money, uh, earning money. And, and so we had to work a scheme that all parties gained by it. And, um, and, and then there's some monetary value in, in, in the recycle or collecting on the recycle type materials. Um, and then have the infrastructure to be able to recycle it. Um, and, and that obviously took a stake in time. Um, and then there are a number that we can implement almost immediately. Um, but again, with the input from the, the, the multinational companies in, that were involved, and they have a lot of clout in Indonesia, and they support a lot of the smaller businesses in bringing them uh, on board uh, in terms of being, re recycling as well. So the more people that recycle, it's sort of a, the wheels begin to turn, um, and, and more people can see the value of it, and those in the street can now see the value in it. Um, so it's really encouraging when I hear the, the reports coming back that it's working. And in terms of the material that is being recycled, is there an end market for it in Indonesia or is it going elsewhere? Well, obviously, we focused on the items that uh, where there was a market for, which, you know, polypropylene, polyethylene and, and PET. Those are the main focus ones. And that uh, accounts for from memory around about 65, 70 percent. Um, and, you know, as I always said to everyone right from the start on that on that forum, we're always going to hit obstacles, 
but we can't sort out all the obstacles initially. Let's get the bulk of the of the issue working, and we'll deal with the other thirty percent at a later stage. So yes, uh, there are certain materials, uh, polystyrene, for example, is an issue, and we're looking at that in terms of uh, maybe putting in a facility that can do that, um, but that's not there yet. Um, so that's one of the areas that we really need to focus in the coming months. Um, uh, but at least we've got the 70% running and there's a market for them and that then becomes self-driving. And that market for them is, in fact, those six main uh, members of the praise team. Yeah, well, that's um, once you've got that, that loop, that circular, you know, the supply and demand working, then, of course, that works really well. That's a fantastic case study, Pierre. Thanks for sharing that. Are there any others that, um, we might have time for perhaps one more? Well, it's interesting because when when we uh, started talking about this more and more, um, there were a number of uh, developing countries that said, "Well, you know, could we come there and do a similar thing?" You know, you, the main the main uh, issue uh, that one needs to focus on is to find a a suitable body organisation within the country, uh, or you must create it uh, that's going to ultimately run with it. We knew from the start that we did not want to run with this ourselves and drive it continuously forever. It had to be run by locals. Um, so we, we've had some interest or, or definitively interest uh, in, in a number of the uh, Southeast Asian countries. And there were some discussions we had in the earlier days with South Africa, which was interesting. But, I mean, they've now gone their own way and, and, and fantastically or working on an, an EPR, Extended Producer Responsibility Program, which we built into the Indonesian program uh, as well. Uh, and so they, you know, they, they're doing well. And I think what, what will happen there, there may be a, a, a hybrid of the two because we've had a lot of interest from Nigeria and Kenya uh, to do a similar program in those in those countries. And so we're talking, we're setting the, the foundations to, to do a similar thing in those countries. Oh, gosh, that that's just sounds so encouraging. Um, another thing that the WPO has been very instrumental in is building, especially in your, under your tenure, Pierre, and I know your whole big team is, is responsible for this, is building the recognition of those packaging innovations that are making a difference and are driving change through your World Star Awards program. And this has come on in leaps and bounds in recent years. Um, next stop will be Interpac, where we have the awards. I was with you there in, at um, IPAC IME in Milan, and we saw all those people being recognised, all those countries being recognised. It was really fantastic. In your view, I of course have my own view, but in your view, how is the ANZ region, Australia, New Zealand region, faring on the global stage? Well, the first statistic that I must remind our listeners to uh, is that the Packaging industry in Australia um, and New Zealand, obviously even smaller, but the Australian um, packaging industry is only um, considered to be in the region of 0.3% of global packaging. So it, it's such a, a small amount. And, and, and so the guys in, in Europe and, and in America and um, parts of Asia, certainly you know China and Japan and so on, they're not too worried with, with what happens down in Australia. So um, which irritates me, uh, certainly in the role that I have, and I'm trying to dispel that and, and work uh, towards changing that um, concept, although I can't change the numbers. 
uh, that's based purely on population. So if you take that, and that's why I want I want the listeners to to hear this, because even with that small amount of packaging, and we're insignificant in the global arena, we perform so much better if you look at it on a ratio basis to any other country in the world, any other country. You know, uh, two years ago we were fourth on the on the um, the number of awards that were presented. Uh, we, we came fourth, and then last year we came second. So that's a significant improvement, and we only lost the number one spot by one. They got uh, Germany got one more than Australia. So if one looks at it from that perspective, that is phenomenal. If you think we're only twenty five million people, yeah. So we're pushing way, way, way above our weight, which I love. Well, the good thing about the Australian market, and perhaps people should try to see us from that perspective when they are dismissing us as a small market. As a very small market, we are the ideal test market for innovation. So for big brands who want to roll out something or test something first, ours is the market to do it in. So, you know, there, there is that side to it too. But I agree with you, punching above our weight, and we will continue to do so. I'm looking forward to next year's awards to see how well we do there as well. I think on that one, let me just elaborate slightly uh, that it's been really pushed hard um, through the Peter Awards, through the ARP program, um, and, and the folk that are involved in that really, really are committed to it and encourage people to, to uh, bring their innovations to the, the, the Packaging Innovation and Design Awards program so that they can ultimately, hopefully, win and then go on to the, the, you know, the big stage. Uh, and so many folk that I've come across in Australia and New Zealand that have won a world star, obviously having won a Peter Award, um, tell me that it's made a significant difference to their image, um, even locally, you know, in New Zealand or in Australia. Uh, but for those companies that are selling abroad, they want something to 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 hang on to. You know, we we won an award, and, and this is this is why we can. Uh, promote our products on a global stage. So, you know, that in itself is self-perpetuating in terms of them coming or being involved next year and the year and the years to follow. Definitely a worthwhile program. And I think we've written about it several times as to why people should remain um, involved and, and if they have an innovation to just have the courage of their convictions and, and to enter that to the awards. Now, Pierre, a huge part of your life's work has been education and training. It certainly was alluded to in your PMMI Hall of Fame award. Um, we've You've been recognized locally for it. I personally know um, years and years ago, I sat in a, <laughs> in a class where you were lecturing on pharmaceutical packaging that was back in South Africa. You have been at it for the longest time. And in Australia, you are the education director of the Australian Institute of Packaging. And in your early days, you certainly had um, the mentorship and took direction from the uh, esteemed Professor Harry Lovell, who has sadly passed away recently, and we have paid tribute to him. But I thought that perhaps you might like to just pay tribute to him briefly here as well. Thank you for that. Um, you know, Harry was a um, larger-than-life person in packaging. And uh, in my very early days of getting to know him back in about 2001, 2002, sort of soon after arriving in the country, uh, I, um, I felt quite insignificant uh, when I was in his presence in relation to his knowledge on packaging. 
and he held a position prior to me uh, being the uh, educational director. And Harry didn't, clearly was not in any hurry to relinquish that role that he had. Um, but I think we we developed a very close bond that we, or he saw that maybe I was as passionate as he was in packaging. And if I if I remember our board meet, uh, ARP board meetings in Harry's time, Harry always complained, complained that we didn't spend enough time on education and it's one of our pillars. Uh, and in the years to follow, and, and now it dominates any board meeting uh, by far. And I'm sure Harry would be very pleased to, to hear that. And I didn't, I didn't mention this to him in 2018 when he was um, given the, the award on the Gold Coast by the World Bank Organization of the uh, Lifetime Achievement uh, Achiever Award. Um, and if I just digress a moment on that, uh, if I would say that in all the things that I've done as president of WPO, of giving that award to Harry in my home city as president was probably one of the best moments of, of my life. But Harry was so intentional and education focused. You know, he had a wonderful passion about ensuring that there were more people educated across the, the whole spectrum of packaging. Uh, and he drove that way and he never wavered from it. Um, on every opportunity that he could, he drove that. And I think I, I learned a lot from that purely because his heart and his soul was in packaging. And it certainly shone through during many of his, all the years that I knew him uh, as in the education team. And he would take uh, and sometimes at nausea length in explaining something, but he wanted to make sure that when he left you, you did understand that particular aspect or that element of packaging or packaging technology. Um, and, and that's why I say he was so intentional. He, he wouldn't let an opportunity slip by um, in not spreading the word. We need more. We need more Harry Lovells around. Um, to make the difference. Well, Pierre, you are following very closely in his footsteps. I know you would probably be too humble to say so, but uh, certainly you are one of those people who is driving education forward. Now, I do recall um, years ago, Harry wrote an article for us at PKN where he really drove home quite passionately the fact that we are facing a severe skill shortage even at that time um, when it comes to qualified packaging technologists. And he wrote a very strident article about it and we published that and I was really pleased that he had. And even now, despite the education that is available through the AIP, it seems to me that there are brand owners out there, manufacturers who could be doing more to educate their teams. So I'd like to ask your view on that, if you if you agree with me and what you think. 100%. And um, I've been quite outspoken on this. So what I'm going to tell you guys, no, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's out there already uh, over the years. Um, if, about seven years ago, when I was... Um, in, in the vice president role in WPO as education um, and an international forum, I said that I predict that in the next five years, we're going to have a void in education in our industry. And when I say uh, a void in, in, in terms of education, I'm referring more to the, the knowledge on the, on the science of packaging and that when you make a, a, a change in relation to 
somewhat in a pack format uh, or a material change that you're making it based on science and you're not making it based on um, because someone else has told you or, or someone someone else has done that, you you in your own mind know which one is better and why it's better and what the effect will be on the product. Now, I still find it with a lot of companies, and this is not only in Australia, this is worldwide, that uh, you find someone in a role in large companies, and they may be packaging manager, packaging innovation manager, packaging development manager, and when you uh, talk to them, they don't have any qualification in packaging. Yet they're making decisions that are going to affect potentially how that how that packaging makeup is uh, is is designed or in what format it's going to be presented to the market. Uh, and we've seen on a number of or well, many cases. I personally have seen um, cases where the incorrect packaging was used on a product with, uh, with disastrous results. Um, and and at the cost of you know, there's a lot of money at stake sometimes. Uh, there's still that uh, feeling um, from from certain companies in terms of the management that um, you you don't have to learn about packaging; you can just learn that on the job, and that uh, you know you don't have to go and study it. Uh, and I think there in still lies uh, a part of the problem. If you take the uh, the AIP for example. Um, our numbers have grown um, well. Uh, I'd like to be even more, but they've grown nicely year on year in the last uh, probably um, five years. So we on we on the right path. But there are a lot of there's still a lot of people in Australia that are working with packaging, making decisions, but they're not they're not educated. Mm, mm. Uh, formal education. When you make a change to some uh, one material, it might affect the next material based on primary, secondary, tertiary packaging. So you can't just isolate it and make it make a change. You don't know the repercussions always. Let's just remind listeners what courses there are available because there's the certificate in packaging for packaging professionals. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So and there's a diploma in packaging technology. Uh, those are the two main drivers. There, there, there are a number of others. I'm talking about formal education. Um, we also partner with the University of Melbourne and we, we have a master's uh, course, a master's degree course. Um, and the certificate course and the diploma course are very well defined and they're, they're very they're nice and broad for someone who's someone who's um, in the industry but not directly involved in packaging. They may be involved more in the food side of things or they more involved in the marketing side or the sales side. A certificate course for them is ideal. Those that are actual being employed with materials and the product interaction, they should rather do the diploma course because that's geared for that and it gives a very broad and, and, and also in particular areas, it focuses on elements that one needs to know to make informed decisions. And if one takes the, uh, the British uh, AFQAL, which is a qualification board uh, in the UK, and remember our courses are UK-based, um, the diploma course is equivalent of a three-year BSc degree. Only we just call it a diploma. Um, so th there's a lot of information in there. And um, we've seen the, the students that have come through that program 
blossom in their companies that they're working for. And I mean that because we keep in touch with those students on an ongoing basis, either them directly or their superiors. Okay, so we need to bring this to a wrap now, Pierre, but if we think about the, the fact that we need educated packaging professionals out there in order to drive this whole sustainable packaging, sustainable circular economy forward, this conversation point we're having all the time, what is your message to manufacturers and brand owners about their packaging people? Well, you wouldn't employ an accountant that's not qualified to be an accountant. You wouldn't employ an engineer who's not qualified to be an engineer. And you would not go and visit your local GP if he wasn't a qualified doctor. So I've taken the extreme, but the principle remains the same. And there's little value, if no value, in my opinion, by employing someone that doesn't know what they're doing. So, but, but they may have worked in, in a packaging company. That doesn't mean they're a packaging technologist or packaging engineer. Um, if you take the American system, they've got numerous universities that offer a four-year BSc degree in packaging science or packaging engineering. Likewise, in, in China, China's got 80, the last time we are counted, 80, 80 universities that offer packaging engineering or packaging science. So, you know, that, and that's a bit of the extreme. I mean, there are one, uh, 1.4 billion people, but the, the fact remains that they are they are ensuring that they have well-qualified people making decisions that affect every every everyday life. It affects you and me. On the other, on the on the flip side of that, I must just add this, Lindy, and that is the ARP promotes their education programs very well, and uh, full marks to the ARP for doing what they do and they do it well. In the WPO, what we've embarked on now, um, yes, we've been running programs. Um, at this moment, we, we run uh, about 10 to 12 global programs a year anywhere in the world. My intention for 2023 is to double that. And as we talk now, I'm putting together a business model to support that. Um, I'd like to see 24, 36 programs running um, somewhere in the world uh, every year. Uh, moving forward, because in the, the developing countries, it's even a worse case. Uh, uh, the, the case is that th even less people in developing countries that are qualified to do the job. Um, so they really need it. Uh, but at the same time, the world stars continues to promote and encourage more innovation, which produces better packaging for more people. Okay, well, thank you, Pierre. That's good to feel your passion coming through there. You've got some <laughs> ambitious goals around education. That's exactly what we need. Continue to walk the talk, please. <laughs> Continue to educate. Thank you very much for spending that time with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your, on your show. Well, thanks, Pierre, and congratulations. And of course, thanks, Lindy, and thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from the show. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. 
You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.